Welcome to episode 330 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined this week by Just Jake. It's me. And and surprisingly, it's not another edition of the Paddington Power Hour. We tried. <laughs> Believe me, I searched high and low for literally anything. And short of doing a fucking book report in the, <laughs> in the feature, which, believe me, I considered... Um, we, we came up with nothing. There is that newer Paddington Nickelodeon show. Unfortunately, um, I could not find a way to stream it, and I did not have the gumption to pirate it. So instead, we are taking a look at Samaritan on this, the uh, grumpy old man edition of the cast. I'm going to grumble into the microphone. Yeah, um, I, I will give you a little bit uh, to scratch that itch of Paddington. Um, IMDb search for Paddington 3, original coming. original title, Paddington in Peru. Plot is still undisclosed. The third installment of the Paddington films, directed by Dougal Wilson, which probably did the other ones, um, and they probably have the same writers. Uh, so yeah, they... Just kidding. Paul King, the director of the other two films, decided not to direct this installment. Okay, well, they had the same writers. I think they did had the same uh, screenplay. So, fingies crossed that uh, Dougal Wilson takes what is a prized golden composition of art and uh, just. Builds, builds off Paddington 2 because we are not alone. I want you to know this, Kurt. I I watched this random like TikTok reviewer who's very critical of movies and he runs down like the IMDb like a Rotten Tomato choice list and he's like, are these movies actually really like worth it? And when he got to it, he was like, for a short time, this next gem of a movie was sitting at a hundred perfect percent on Rotten Tomatoes and one curmudgeon had to come in with a negative review and that's Paddington 2. Nothing holds a candle to this movie. Okay, like I know we're not alone because our, like the transcript of that first Paddington Power Hour podcast was immortalized on the silver screen in fucking the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes. <laughs> That's out there. It's in the ether now. We have our, our role as secret Hollywood tastemakers has been proven out yet again. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a very it's a very popular opinion. And and more people need to know this. That's why I'm I will always post more Paddington propaganda on Twitter. Um, whoever Jay the Chow is, you random Twitter user, uh, fucking keep going with it. Just keep photoshopping Paddington into Never forget. more <laughs> movies. When when Paddington was running, uh, from away from the Twister in the famous movie Twister, I I got it. I get it. <laughs> we we need that. 
so I took I took a little look at the writers of uh, Paddington Three here. Yeah. And <laughs> misery. <laughs> um. So Michael Bond, who is credited with characters, who I assume is the writer of the actual Paddington Bear books, is still credited with characters. However, um, the the screenplay writers Mark Burton and John Foster were not involved. We're not writers on the other two movies. John Foster has written for the uh, Adventures of Paddington Bear TV series, uh, which started in 2019 and is still going. And that has an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb, so pretty good. Not a bad pedigree. And um, who's the other guy? Uh, Mark Burton has uh, written for Wallace and Gromit. Yep, and um, Madagascar. And Shaun so. the Sheep. And yeah, he was writer on the original Madagascar. He's also the writer on Nomeo and Juliet. Yes. Which, uh, a very slept on movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I've never seen it, to be fair. I'd, it was one of the early entries on uh, Trey Watch. And as I recall, 2016. Yeah. Curtin Peter did not dig it. Uh, it, it was it was very dumb. Uh, it, I think it had, um, I think Elton John did all the, uh, like the sound for. They took all Elton John songs and put it to like a, a Nomeo and Juliet, and they had that one fucking gnome with the Borat bathing suit in it, and they yeah. just like they did the that joke ring. twenty times. They were just like, this is gonna kill. Kids are gonna love this, you know, <laughs> kids are gonna love the Borat bathing suit. They're gonna their pants are gonna be wet with how much they're they're laughing at it. Uh notably Michael Caine was Lord Redbrick in the Juliet. James McAvoy was Nomeo and Emily Blunt was Juliet. So on my on my Plex server, um well on Plex in general. But on on my server, you know, the makeup of movies that I have on there. Um you can like click on an actor's portrait in the cast listing and it'll bring up all the movies you have on your server that feature that actor. And I clicked on Michael Caine and it's like wall to wall, Chris Nolan movies and Austin Powers. Three. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of these movies is not like the others. I, I gotta say um, some of these like random like garbage tier animated movies will just get the most famous actors out for for the voices. Like there's also Jason well, that's where they Statham. Put the money. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 put the money so they can slap some recognizable names on the marquee and lure in a bunch of old people and people don't pay attention. Like like, can you imagine if this was like an actual uh, live action movie? Uh, like these names: James McAvoy, Emily Blunt. Maggie Smith, lesser known, uh, Ashley Jensen, Michael Caine, Matt Lucas, Jim Cummings, uh, Jason Satham, Ozzy Osbourne, Stephen Merchant, Patrick Stewart, Julie Walters, Hulk Hogan. Sounds like any well, Hulk Hogan. I was about to say that sounds like any BBC show with all the Brits in there. But yeah, Hulk Hogan's a bit of a surprise. Dolly Parton's in here. <laughs> like Hulk Hogan. 
Star of Santa with muscles, Hulk Hogan? <laughs> the Hulk Hogan. He was, uh, what the fuck was he? The he lead was ter- in Thunder in Paradise? <laughs> he was the voice for Terra Furminator VO? What the fuck is that? That's not even a gnome. <laughs> I I assume it was some sort of uh, muscle-bound uh, character. It was either a gnome or a lawnmower or something. I don't know. A lawnmower gnome. (laughs) Who knows? But I know that it's time to talk about trailers on this week's edition of Trey Watch, which is mercifully short. I'm sure when Peter comes back on the podcast, (laughs) they'll be 14 again, and then we can just blame it on him for the rest of all all time. Yeah. Yeah, but I I am excited about some of these that are are coming out. Uh, We got a full fucking two minute look at what the shit Winnie the Pooh blood and honey is gonna be um and I am I am pleasantly pleased I'm pleased I like what I see I'm a simple man (laughs) okay I'm a simple man I I get dumb premise I want a cheap horror flick and this is everything I've ever wanted in a in a Winnie the Pooh horror movie I uh well I guess I I can't necessarily disagree (laughs) That this isn't everything I ever wanted out of a Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Uh, I should make note, though, that I never wanted a Winnie the Pooh (laughs) horror movie. I've been saying it for years. Um, It's been... This movie, when I heard about the movie, I thought, wow, that's really dumb. After having seen the trailer, I, I still say, wow, that's really dumb. It's so dumb, but in... The best, like finger licking ways. It's the feeling you get after you've eaten too much KFC and you like still have the sides and then you still eat the sides and you're like, I'm more of a Popeye's man these days. Popeye's is fine too. Popeye's, you know, you got to make sure you have that, that big chug jug with you when you down those biscuits because they'll try to kill you. <laughs> got to make sure they'll you've try. got a toilet next to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. To eat that chicken because it'll shoot right for you. That's why we've, we've established this before on the show. The reason why the biscuits are the way they are is to plug you up so you're, the explosive <laughs> diarrhea that the chicken causes isn't as big a hindrance in your actually, life. Contrary to popular belief, you're supposed to eat the biscuit first. It does act like a plug. Yeah, um, it, it, it plugs you up there. <laughs> think of a rocket A little more engine. effective than, than, a, than using a regular butt plug for that task because <laughs> the, the pressure... Of that explosive diarrhea, shoot that right out. Well, unlike, and then un- you gotta go fishing around <laughs> the diarrhea water for your butt plug, and no one wants to do that. Unlike the plug, as you know, they do not contain an O-ring. the 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 biscuits actually, when they mix with your stomach acid, create some sort of uh, like silicone-like O-ring that does create a airtight seal. Nothing's getting out of there. Uh, unfortunately, out how stupid the name O Ring is. <laughs> like, yeah, no shit. They're all shaped like O's. Thanks. <laughs> That's what yeah. makes it a ring. <laughs> I get it. It's an O Ring. It's in the name. <laughs> hey, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are just like, yeah, okay, that that kind of makes sense. Like, uh, you know, like, like J channels. Why are they called J channels? Oh, they're shaped like a J. And U channel too. Like, oh, wow. Really? How'd you come up with that one? You don't say. 
But yeah, uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, the premise is that Christopher Robin returns to the Hundred Acre Wood after a long time. Uh, Christopher Robin, who has a bit of a speech impediment, talks a little like this. Um, fucking comes back to the Hundred Acre Wood. And apparently, uh, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet have turned into uh, grown men with a penchant for murder. Yeah. Um, the and- implication is that these are like the Winnie the Pooh characters that have just been left to their own devices for a long time. But the portrayal that they're just like fucking nameless, faceless men, like adult men, <laughs> is kind of. I find it's a little, it, uh, a little yeah, hard I, to reconcile. I find it funny in the beginning of the trailer. There's like two cars that they're that they're like walking by when they're actually in the Acre Woods, and they're this. I'm presuming this is like where he would play with. This is the domain of Winnie the Pooh and and Piglet and the other critters. There's cars, so they like drive. Where are they driving to? I mean, I guess they have a hundred acres of woods to drive around in, but, yeah. um, and they have like set up this compound. Um, I wonder how dark this is going to go because I did see a, um, hey, like a rip RIP Eeyore sign, like he's buried there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, are they going to like make notion to that? Like Eeyore was depressed and like could have committed suicide. because that's like the whole thing is that um apparently the the characters of winnie the pooh all encompass like a different sort of um personality disorder with like piglet being anxiety eeyore being depression um winnie the pooh being the sin of gluttony i feel like (laughs) you put way more thought into that than the writers did this movie. I think they were just like, they looked up the new laws about like IP sunsetting. Yeah. And Googled what was going to be first, saw Winnie the Pooh and said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we made a Winnie the Pooh slasher movie? And then they shat this out. This is a fandom page. The disorders of characters in Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh has an eating disorder. He is addicted to honey. That is true. I mean, maybe in this movie, he's addicted, addicted to... Addicted is a strong word. Oh, no, man. I remember him not being able to put that shit down. He would do crazy stuff. Piglet has anxiety, or depression, obviously. Owl has dyslexia and short-term memory loss. Uh, Tigger has ADHD. Rabbit has OCPD, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. Kanga has... Munchausen syndrome by proxy? What the fuck? Because she's overprotective of Rue to the point of insisting he can do nothing for himself. Rue Rue has ASD. Rue has autism spectrum disorder. And Christopher Robin has (laughs) schizophrenia. Gopher has... Who the fuck is Gopher? You don't know Gopher? Gopher's awesome. What the... I don't think don't I remember ask, Gopher that don't much. Don't ask what Gopher is, because I mean, it'll sound super stupid. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember Gopher, nor do I remember him ever having like Tourette's. 
<laughs> so he certainly I... doesn't have. Tr- yeah, whoever fucking made that list is uh, <laughs> is not not bright. This is a scientific not bright. Fact. Like, uh, oh, geez, I could have made a bad joke there, but we'll we'll say it. Not bright like the box office prospects of the sun. Um, Hugh oh, Jackson, the sun. yes. Fresh I, off of uh, his blockbuster hit, Reminiscence, is uh, at it again in a movie that I'm sure is going to be a big box office winner. It's The Sun. Yeah, um, I don't really know what the... I watched this trailer and I forgot it instantly afterwards. Yeah, it, it is quite forgettable. There isn't a whole lot to it. First off, it's a teaser, so it's only like a minute long. Um, I will read the synopsis because it will do a better job of describing the movie than uh, my memory of this trailer will. Uh, added for comparison is my memory of this trailer. Uh, and now on to the synopsis. The Sun follows Peter, Hugh Jackman, as a busy, as his busy life with new partner Beth, Vanessa Kirby, and their baby is thrown into disarray when his ex-wife Kate, Laura Dern, arrives with their troubled and distant teenage son, setting the family on a dangerous collision course. Who boy, it's family drama. Wow. Down at the Oaky Corral. <laughs> that sounds like a fun movie. I I mean, unless... Um, unless it's just like Oscar bait to try to get like some good I acting, but don't think this is Oscar bait. <laughs> I don't know if the story's good enough. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this a is li- it. a little early for award season. Also, I don't know Although if the YouTube I... comment was a uh, real. Was there a movie called The Father? I'm sure there was a movie called The Father at one point. There was. There, there was more than in one 2020. Movie. Oh right, yeah, that's with, with Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that now. And he is returning in this role. Um, oh, this is a <laughs> an entry into the father cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, we had the father. Now we're having the son. Uh, Anthony and Hopkins. The next one returning. will be the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. The father, the son, the Holy Ghost. They're going to put a horror twist on it. It's going to be wild. Just wait. <laughs> I can see that. All right. Maybe maybe this movie is actually the best. It is. Uh, okay. The father director expands father's cinematic universe with the uh, sub trailer. <laughs> Florian Zeller is bringing back Anthony Hopkins for another familial reckoning. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> This is oh, you know what? I shouldn't be surprised because if fucking Wonder can get a Holocaust movie spinoff, then anything's fucking possible. <laughs> Yo, true though. Um, you know what's weird is that I'm so excited for Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, after seeing this trailer, yeah, we uh. I remember when we looked at the teaser and uh, we said, you know, this this feels right for a weird, weird Al biopic. 
casting of Daniel Radcliffe is a little little off the beaten path, but it looks like it, it's going to work out. And uh, this trailer has done, done nothing to dissuade that opinion. The only problem is that it's going to be a Roku original, perhaps airing exclusively on the Roku channel. Yeah. Only accessible through a Roku device. I have one. I so, also have one. I don't use it. It's built into the TV in the uh, bedroom. I and think it's disabled. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to be dusting off that Roku channel button on their remotes and finally pressing it um, and then being prompted to make a, an account and be like, oh, damn, what's my password? Um, so the other cool thing about this, um, so actually, I should talk about the trailer first. So this definitely is like a weird, huh, ironic, all the puns are intended. Um, it's a parody of like biopics. And I think it is not, I don't know how much, if any, is grounded in reality. Um, I would I would like to hope that they put some. I think that his name is, is Al Yankovic, is, uh, <laughs> is about the extent of realism that we're going to get in this. But like, like people in his life, like I wonder if they're gonna keep that, um, like, like accurate. Like, yes, he did. He was helped out by these people, and then just like, you have the cast there, existing in this story that they're making about Weird Al. Like, what what is the weirdest way this guy could come up into fandom? And I love it because it's just like he was weird as a kid, um, and he would get arrested by officers saying he was at founded a polka party. And that's just that just doesn't happen, okay? I'll just burst everybody's bubble. Yeah, nobody's polka getting parties. arrested for polka parties. Well, no, I don't know about that. I think you would get arrested, but uh, no one's from polka party, so it's not even a, a yeah. factor. Um, the other, um, like I don't think uh, Weird Al ever fucked Madonna. I mean, it'd be cool be no. if he did. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a negative Ghost Rider. <laughs> The other awesome thing is that this trailer was set up exactly like I think beat for beat or at least they really damn close to an old sketch from Funny or Die on YouTube. Weird. The Al Yankovic story posted nine years ago. Yeah, it's been in development for a minute. (laughs) Uh, so I don't, I don't know if this is like any people are attached to it or if this was just like, they got the blessings to move forward with this. Well, we have the power of the internet. We can, we can determine these things. Uh, production in 2010, Funny or Die released a fake trailer for a satirical biographical drama entitled Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Directed by Eric Apple and starring Aaron Paul as musician Weird Hal Yankovic. Additional co-stars in the three-minute trailer included Yankovic, Olivia Wilde, Gary Cole, uh, Mary Steenbergen, and Patton Oswalt. On January 18th, 2022, a real film of the same name was announced with Daniel Radcliffe set to appear in the role. Um, so I, I don't know. Okay, hold on. In a statement, Apple said jokingly, when Wheel Air first sat me down against my will and told me his life story, I didn't believe any of it. 
but then I knew we had to make a movie about it. Okay, so Eric Apple, who directed the original short, is a co-writ the screenplay with Weird Al Yankovic himself and is an executive producer on the film. Oh, and the, the director and executive producer of this. So the same guy who directed that fake trailer is now directing this real movie starring Daniel Radcliffe that he co-wrote with Weird Al Yankovic. Now that that is weird. <laughs> That's cool, though. I like that. Hey, don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. You have a funny sketch nine years ago? Hey, make it a movie. Make it a full movie. Don't let your sketches be sketches. Make a movie. <laughs> make a movie. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, that is something uh, else. Uh, yeah. Last up, we got Nanny Blumhouse at it again. Um, seriously, guys, you're going to make this before you make Duck, Duck, Goose, which also I want to point out that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is basically Duck, Duck, Goose. <laughs> yeah, just just want to throw that out there. Um, but, but Nanny stars a. Uh, an African woman who hopes her new job as a nanny will bring her young son to the United States. However, when a violent presence begins to evade both her dreams and reality, threatens to destroy everything she's thought for. So it, it it starts out this trailer starts out pretty normal. This is this is a prime video exclusive, much like the movie review this week. It starts out pretty normal, and then there's a pool scene. Where she goes under and then resurfaces, and she's not in a pool. She's in the lake or a river or also the pool, but at night. Um, can't be sure it was dark. And now all of a sudden she's looking for her own son, which uh, was not like a focal point in the, the first half of the trailer. But she's got some spooky things she's got to wrestle with. Um, and it's a Blumhouse movie, so if you've seen one, you've seen them all. That's my review of the Nanny trailer. <laughs> or I think it's just Nanny. It's not the Nanny, because that's, that's a Fran Drescher joint, and then you'd have to include her in the movie. And I feel like you'd lose all horror seriousness the moment she laughed. Although, actually, now that I think about it, Fran Drescher's laugh fucking echoing through a, a creepy hallway that seems like it'd be a very um, effective horror trailer and... <sighs> excuse me um Oh jeez, that's a lot of notifications. Um Jake and I are having difficulties communicating. I think we're back now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um Yeah. 
Gotta love Discord sometimes. Um, but yeah, my rant was about how uh, Fran Drescher, uh, her laugh down a creepy hallway would be a very effective horror trailer. Oh, that would work. You know, a Fran Drescher needs to be back in more stuff, and uh, <laughs> they're really missing the uh, they're really missing the 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 opportunity with Nanny. Yeah, I, I I like my one of my my favorite random trivia facts is uh, that Fran Drescher is married to the guy who claims to have invented email. Uh, the validity of his claim is is dubious, but that that's a real thing. You can look it up. It's worth a Google. All you youngins who don't know who the fuck Fran Drescher is. Fran Drescher, what has she been doing? Living off that email money. <laughs> Seriously. You know, I thought she looked like um, uh, an actress that we had seen in a trailer, I think last week it was. Um, it was the one that we, it was Lou. Yeah. The one that we like barely touched on. Um, and I thought the the like the old lady in that one was like I'm like oh it's the nanny because I just haven't seen Fran Drescher in like anything in a minute I think the well let's look at pull up the IMDb she's 64 years old now wow. okay well I mean maybe that's why <laughs> um uh, movies and TV shows says she maybe done a voice for Hotel Transylvania uh back in 2012. Her IMDb last says, credit is for the TV show. Well, no, that's a writer. Let me look at actress. Oh, Mr. Mayor, a TV series. She plays Angelica Masters in yeah, 2022. 2022. And she's Eunice. also Eunice in Hotel Transylvania 4. Transformania. Yeah, so she's in some, 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 some projects here and there. And uh, yeah, she 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 does about one or two every year, so she's just keeping the SAG card. Yeah, active. Respect. Game I'm waiting for that. Uh, waiting for that nanny reboot. Uh, this is not the nanny reboot that we were we were promised all no, those we years were. ago on that on that mountaintop and oh on that God. shrine where we had my, sacrificed that goat. So if you Google Fran Drescher. The way Google's laid out now, you get some image results at the top. If you click the very first image, it's a picture of her in a fairly recent, I, I would presume, in, in a pink dress. Um, but this image is from an article from a publication or website called In Style. The article title is Fran Drescher on Moving Past Trauma. Because uh, if there was one person that I I would have turned to to help me, uh, help guide me through my trauma, it would be it would be Fran Drescher for sure. You know, I she's a tr- she had that trusting face. I could see it. You know, she she did all that work with uh, those kids back in the day on that show, so. You know they they trusted her to talk talk to her about their you know problems and whatnot. Is there is that it? 
for for trailers? Hot. It sure is, buddy. Hot hot dog. <laughs> Record time. Ooh. I mean, we could talk about the Jaws re-release trailer. Uh, but no, Peter I don't want to. that on the Dragon. <laughs> uh, it was it was in front of our Dragon Ball Super trailer uh, or movie rather showing. And uh, we we were like, wow, this must be the summer of Spielberg because they re released ET and now they're re releasing Jaws. All right, let's talk follow up here. Let's take a look at the box office for weekend 34, covering August 26th through 28th of 2022. Um, this is probably the most depressing post COVID box office I've ever seen. And there were even some pandemic box offices that looked a little bit brighter than this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were some, even during the height of it, there was some, you know, Marvel movies that people were like, I'm risking it all. I'm risking it for the biscuit. Yeah. Um, so in first place on its opening week, we have the invitation bring in a staggering 6.8 million dollars across 3100 theaters for Sony Pictures Entertainment um the invitation thus far like with almost another week under its belt has managed to gross 10 million dollars which for this kind of movie is not terrible However, the fact that this is number one is a scathing indictment of the box office at this time. Although, because of this and how how little new has come out, we find ourselves honing in on the invitation with our spotlight. Um, the invitation, a movie that, based on the trailer, we said, this is probably going to suck, has a... 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, which is not very good for that platform, and a uh, a sweltering 21% or no, down to 20% on the thermometer from Rotten Tomatoes with only a 56% audience score. Um, the fact that a movie led by a woman of color only has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes is fucking staggering. This movie must suck. Well, it's, it's uh I think I think it's also does not help that she might be the only <laughs> person of color in the uh in the movie. It seems like other than the maids I think that we saw in the trailer, there was one Asian maid in the trailer. Yeah. It is a white white cast. Um and and yeah, but you know, but she's the main actress, though. So. And you know, you can't trust these professional critics. They're on I the wouldn't. take. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust them to fucking uh, do my laundry. I'll tell you, I trusted one of these critics one time. You know what I got? I got a flat tire and a fucking knife in my back, huh? Huh? He even ate my gabagool. Did not tell him to do that. I so regret not recording the video version of the podcast last week because there was a point in time when we were all doing the shoulder shake in perfect sync. 
and it was the funniest thing we've ever done. It's harmonious. Almost as funny as some of these real reviewers with their crazy ideas about what makes a good movie and what makes a bad movie. But, you know, their their takes are real, just like their their bodies are real. They are definitely not AI generation programs <laughs> spitting out reviews onto the IMDb platform for no particular reason. Of course not. Uh, how el- how could you find it in your heart to doubt someone with the username uh, Malikulus Menagian? Um, that's that's how that's pronounced. I've decided, and we're gonna go with it. He has he writes ten out of ten. At this point, any movie you click has false reviews. Warning spoilers. Put on put on your earmuffs if you don't want to be spoiler, spoiled for the invitation. This movie was great. The acting, the build-up, not knowing what's going to happen next, jump scares, and the her ending up killing thousands of years of this for her. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Did you get what? <laughs> Let me reread that just to make sure I'm not having a stroke. The acting, the build-up, not knowing what's going to happen next, jump scares, and the her ending up killing thousands of years of this for her, for her family, was very satisfying. I think the author was out of breath uh, typing that up. That's yeah, they how definitely used the rough. voice voice to speech while they were like running to catch the last boss from their feet. <laughs> I gotta submit this review. <laughs> People always find stuff to complain about and the only talk and only talk about the bad things, but this movie has to be one of my top one. I'm telling you, boy. One thing I do have to complain about is the ending and the cliffhanger of the girl at the starting. First off, I wish we got a sneak peek of how she got back how she told her friend and how her friend reacted and the girl who hung herself what happened to her why did she turn ghosts i feel like we should have got a glimpse of that as well and i can't wait for the second movie we're not <laughs> focusing on the right issues here We're all talking about the invitation and not the girl who hung herself. What happened so, to the girl who hung herself? What happened to her? Why'd she turn ghosts? So many ghosts a year are left untalked about. We need to be there talking about them. There was a time them. in this country when we took care of our ghosts. There was a social safety net. You know, better times. Better times. At least people were talking about it. And not talking about this movie which um i'm going to save you the um some of the reviews that are fine for one out of ten but they're just saying the same thing over and over again and this one sums it up pretty good one out of ten i'm sorry jamerican beauty is that supposed to be like Jamaican and Jamer- and American? Is that is that what you I call? Think that maybe they're Jamaican just Americans? very big fans of Jamiroquai. 
and the movie American <laughs> Beauty. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this entire thing. I think with it's just Kevin accent. Spacey in that big Jamiroquai hat. You know, that cat in the hat hat. Dramatic and beauty. Nope, not doing it. I'm sorry. Nope, what, didn't what feel right. What was that supposed to be? To Jamaica. That sounded Italian. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> the invitation is ready or not. That also sounds Transylvanian, which I guess kind of fits. I'm just going to read it like a it's normal on human. Theme, sure. <laughs> the invitation is ready or not. Okay, that's it. <laughs> um, the invitation is ready or not. The vampire version, minus a strong lead in Samantha Weaving, a good supporting cast, the quality acting, and unpredictable, bloody, fun script. Wow, they loved commas in there. Don't think they use them right. The invitation's Thomas Dowtry has a darkly sensual and charming presence. Everything else and everyone else is forgettable. Daenerys Targaryen's best friend. Oh, what? Ha! What? <laughs> is very <laughs> pretty. Wrong show. <laughs> Wrong section. Hey, I guess it's topical because the House of Dragons out. Uh, Daenerys Targaryen's best friend. He's saying it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because she was um the, the, the maid or whatever in uh, Game of Thrones. Um where was I? I lost my got a rant. Best friend is very pretty and very boring. I always forget her name. She is not a strong lead and cannot carry a film. Her friend was awful. When is Hollywood going to end the stereotypical obnoxious sassy sidekick of the lead? <laughs> her dialogue was forced, unfunny, and existed to deliver certain talking points. If the we script may- pause for a moment there um when that screed started i did not think it was gonna end in that way and i'm quite impressed i'm reading this blind uh so i'm like i'm just hoping the moderators at imdb are like we'll get rid of the get rid of the bad ones (laughs) this is family friendly uh her dialogue was forced, unfunny, and existed to deliver certain talking points. The script was elementary, predictable, and insulting. <laughs> How did this make it to the big screen? The CW will probably turn it into a series one day. 12 out of 19 found that helpful. God, how posh. Fuck you, dramatic and beauty. Um, Tigers. 11952. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was part of the title. <laughs> Tiger show up. What? You know what? That would be a lot more interesting than the movie was apparently. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Shit. We're we're doing middle stars. I forgot Peter's not here. Uh, Diamond 66 has a pretty straightforward review of the invitation. Gives it a five out of ten. It could have been good. Nathalie. Emmanuel is too pretty and too talented to not make a great movie one day. Thomas Dirty, who is only 27, looks like a young Sean Connery. If only they were looking for a new James Bond. Hmm? They start off pretty well. It has a mix of hammer horror film and a lifetime romance with a little Jordan Peele. 
The zest from one Jordan Peele. <laughs> Not enough scares, although full of atmosphere. The two leads are good, as are some of the supporting characters. The last act of the movie falls very short, especially when compared to 2019's Ready or Not, which had a comparable storyline. Could have been very good with a better climax. Three out of five found that helpful. The amount of people comparing it to Ready or Not is a. It's pretty similar movie. Yeah. To be fair. Like. That's fine. Almost Hollywood twins if they weren't like three years apart. <laughs> so this is derivative hack fraud con man shit. Um, now I read from the Book of Tigers. Oh, <laughs> Chapter 11, verse 952. <laughs> uh, so I should announce them. <laughs> I'm going to do that the next, uh, for every fucking, uh, until I forget, for every fucking uh, username that's a word and then a bunch of numbers. I'm going to do yeah. that for. Just like I kept the fucking Don Mahanahan child clown outlet <laughs> jokes going for like <laughs> half a year. Um,. <laughs> 9 out of 10. It's something new. Love this movie. Gives you a taste of human manipulation, some jump scares, and a great female lead. A movie that doesn't make you roll your eyes at hour-long fight scenes. You get the whole story with different themes throughout. The bad reviews are likely just men that are mad that it's a female lead without a lot of nudity and pointless, repetitive gore. Yeah. Men. Men. Seven out of twenty-four found that helpful. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna see if this person is nope, that is their only review, and they have been a IMDB member for six days. Now from the uh book of DSM verse twenty uh what is it? Verse this then I think it's chapter then verse. Chapter Chapter then verse, all right. Yeah. From the book of DSM, chapter 20, verse 3. Yeah, I can tell you're Catholic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I got that. I got that hymn, that, that monotone just drawl. Oh, that's... Well, that's that's like a, a, a very Catholic thing, like when the priests just start fucking singing for no reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and it, as, as, a, as a, someone who was raised Lutheran, you know, most of my family's Catholic. Big surprise, Irish. Um, I got to see both sides of the coin, and like in in Lutheranism, pastor will just talk. <laughs> well, that that's always the one thing that I found funny. Um, so a total sidebar, but like, uh, so we we also just had our marriage uh, classes, and we were talking about like music and whatnot. And I'm envisioning our guy just having to like go up there and be like, "No, you don't have to play any music. I got this shit." Hallelujah. And it's just like, you know, what if you were a bad singer and you're just like, I want to devote my life, but I some of cannot them are, hold a tune. Gee, some of and them they're are just really like, bad. <laughs> I mean, I've just some so... masses where they just, they the priest cannot sing and they have to, and it's really awkward. I mean, I would hate to like be at a, a seminary school where like, Everybody's learning to do these 
these these simple uh you know get these simple pitches down and they're going through puberty and their the voices are cracking oh no not not for me i think i think the people going to seminary school are more like (laughs) college age i don't think you have too many people going through puberty you never know maybe they're late bloomers (laughs) i don't know they're fucking weird Anyways, from the DSM, uh, it, I like this because they they did something different. <laughs> if you've seen Haunted Mansion, you've seen this. Oh, <laughs> this is a poor man's Haunted Mansion. Oh, <laughs> without Eddie Murphy and with faux American accents, much fewer landing jokes. Parentheses attempted many times, and parentheses, and only a few scary scenes to slightly push it into the horror movie genre. The quality of effects are really substandard and ruin a already diluted film genre of old English vampire storylines. I want to leave the cinema early. I did not, and I will not get that time back. Sad. Sadly. Sad. Sadly, they are sad. Sadly, I feel this could have worked with better casting, better facts, and fewer cultural jokes that lacked a depth of quality. Plus, the they seemed out of place and for cheap laughs. One out of one found that helpful. The they. Plus, the they seemed out of place. So, yeah, they, they seemed out of, yeah. No, non-binaries. Sure. Um, now, for a bit of a middling review, uh, IMDb doesn't do it justice with just giving us simplistic uh, one one sig fig numbers. Uh, so this guy had to break it out to two. Uh, five out of ten. But he said, it is what it is. And uh, from the book of Perry at the movies, this is just the entire book. Small book. 5.7 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Mm, not not so much five. Not 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 feeling fit to round up, huh? Yeah. I, I'm wondering why this... I The real question is, why isn't this under the six out of 10? Why is is, we're asking the real questions here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this film definitely had me going in the first half. <laughs> As it's been a while since I've, <laughs> I've seen a horror... So I was generally spooked for the first bit. However, once I settled into the movie and got a grasp on who and what I was watching, <laughs> boredom kind of settled settled in. The story... I'm, wait, I'm watching a movie? <laughs> <laughs> the story feels very similar to Ready or Not 2019. Ugh, another one of these. With one glaring difference being vampires are in one... In are in one and not in the other. Oh, yeah, the story here had me intrigued. Hold on, the story here had me intrigued me throughout, but it didn't sit right with the ex with its execution, and the finale feels rushed with no care for the buildup of characters and story. The acting won't be receiving any awards. But it wasn't terrible. Each actor was suited for the role they were cast for, and because they there seemed to be commitment, it made the story more enjoyable and worth giving the chance. Shadows were essentially 
shadows were essential to building the tension and worked very well with the cinematography as nothing was revealed sooner than it should have been. However, action sequences lacked to give the look of something crazy and exciting happening. A lot of unnecessary cuts were used and therefore made the visuals seem a bit much near the end. Overall, the style of the movie was presented. I personally would A, recommend waiting to see this movie on a streaming service, and B, recommend watching Ready or Not 2019, 6 out of 10, <laughs> as it's pretty well the same movie, but without vampires. So adding vampires gives it negative 0.3. Interesting. Good to know, Perry at the movies. All right, well, that's that's the invitation. Now we got to run down the rest of the box office. Moving up a spot from last week, back into second place, Bullet Train, bringing in a cool $5.6 million in its fourth week. That has made, to date, uh, $175 million. I think it was a $90 million budget, so it's, it's solidly in the black. Uh, this marks the first time that I can remember in a long time where Sony has had the top two spots at the box office for a combined $12.4 million. Right on, Sony. Um, Beast falls a spot um, down 57.9% oof uh, in opening in 11 new theaters. Um, brought in $4.88 million. It's made 37 worldwide. Got to figure that's not making money yet. Somehow, someway, still in the top five, still in the top fucking four, is Top Gun Maverick in its 14th fucking week. Insane. Despite closing in seven more theaters, (sighs) down only 20%. You know what? At this fucking rate, it might even make the $1.5 billion. Who the fuck knows? Anything is possible, apparently. <laughs> fuck it. Give it another re-release. <laughs> Save Keep the theaters. Going. Just have it be in theaters forever. Have it be an evergreen movie. Yeah. Um, down four spots from the previous week. Uh, dropping a big oof. 78% is Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Uh, four point six seven seven million dollars, but it's made seventy million dollars world worldwide, uh, including thirty two million dollars domestic, which I believe puts it ahead of Brawley, uh, domestically. And yeah, I was ahead of Revival F worldwide. I know that much. I had heard that in the at least in the second week, Superhero was beating Brawley, but yeah, it looks like overall domestic. Thirty point seven million compared to, what does it say? Thirty point. Some some thirty point eight. Yeah, so just sneaking ahead. Yeah, let's look at that box office for Broly. Broly made a. Uh, hold on. The budget, but I don't know what fucking for. Okay, there we go. U.S. dollars. One hundred and twenty-four point six million worldwide was Broly. So that's. That's by far the highest grossing worldwide, and I don't think Dragon Ball Super Superhero is going to catch it, but it ha- did did win out domestically. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder why it's not. I mean, maybe I, everybody who's going to watch it here is going to watch it regardless because it's another Dragon Ball Super movie, but overseas it's more contested. Well, I think part of it is that um, Broly came out. And was 
almost universally well received. Uh-huh. So a lot of people who maybe didn't catch it in theaters because they're like, oh, you know, Revival F wasn't that great or whatever the reason for not wanting to go see the new Dragon Ball Super movie. Um, may have seen it like on home video and been like, wow, this was really great. I'm, I'm, I'll definitely see the next one. And they went to see the next one. And although we all thought that Dragon Ball Super Superhero was fine... It definitely was not as good as Brawly, so I can definitely see uh. understand why it's uh, dropped off in the way that it has. Also, I guess a superhero has that that pull of like new animation style. People wanted to go check it out. Yeah, but yeah, or or people just too. completely turned off and not not wanting. Yeah, to and that could have been part of it. it too. I I do know that I had major reservations based on the trailer. I didn't know why they changed up the art style and you know i'm still not a hundred percent sold on it but uh you know as we said in in the action which is what you're you're there for it's not very distracting or noticeable um dc league of super pets brings in the sixth spot down for or down 27.2 percent to 4.1 million dollars that has made $147 million worldwide. Uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, which the distributor is United Artists releasing. I did not know that UA was still a company. Um, $2.9 million in its opening week. Good enough for seventh place. Um, that's got to be pretty disappointing considering that there are some pretty big name actors in this movie, so I I gotta figure it it cost a a little bit. Um, also, to note, this is Idris Elba's second movie coming out in the past three weeks, two weeks. Yeah, he's got two movies yeah, in two the weeks. box office right now, and I think we can uh, definitively say that Idris Elba is not exactly a box office draw. <laughs> He is making he's making people crawl and literally crawl. They're not they're not really coming that fast. They're not in a hurry. <laughs> they're yeah, not getting no, there they, in time. They said somebody said we got Idris Elba at home and with the streaming services, yeah, you pretty much have Idris you have Elba at you home. have his better movies at home. Although I don't think Pacific Rim is on any streaming service. <sighs> Honestly, what are what are Idris Elba's like good movies? Uh, Pacific Rim was good, although he it was not actor. great because of Idris Elba. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he wasn't the draw. The big fucking robots were the draw. Oh, I guess Knuckles. Yeah, okay, Knuckles, Hobbs and Shaw. He was, he was not he was great in Sonic the Hedgehog too. He um, was fine in Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad, yeah, he was okay. I mean, the TV show Luther, I guess, is where his, his most of his acclaim comes from. Oh. Um, oh, and The Wire, too. Yeah, he got a lot of fame wire. from The Wire. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was like a reoccurring character. Yeah, but there's a lot of... Uh, and Yeah, he was in uh, the, all the Thor movies, except the most recent one. Um, yeah, not a ton of great credits. Um, fucking, he's in a Tyler Perry movie. 
I feel like he just got really famous because he got like voted the sexiest man one year. Well, I that's I know what that, I knew him from. I know that Luther was is is slash was a very popular television show. Yeah, and um, you know, not every actor makes a great transition from the small screen to the big screen. Yeah. I'm not saying that Idris was necessarily a bad actor, but I don't know that I would call him a good actor either. I haven't really seen him in anything where he's had to like uh display like a ton of range. People like his voice, I guess. Um I personally think he has a really bad case of mush mouth. But uh you know, I'm not I'm not shitting on the guy. I don't want anyone to Idris, if you're if you're listening to this, I harbor no ill will towards you. <laughs> Just, just come on, better movies, dude. Yeah, have have some better role like, selection. I'll, and uh, I mean, maybe maybe that's what he was trying to do with the three thousand years of longing, and maybe that's what he was trying to like get his acting chops. Well, if you look at like, his fucking, uh, if you look at his IMDb from the past couple of years, it's really all over the place. You have the Suicide Squad, you've got a fucking family movie in Sonic the Hedgehog two, you got a fucking romantic fantasy movie in three thousand years of uh, longing. You got Beast yes. Cats. Which fucking <laughs> someone looked at fucking rogue with Megan Fox and said, you know what? Yeah. I think we can do better. We can put Idris in here. He just needs to be in here. He's up for grabs. We, we get Idris uh, in yeah, here? Yeah. I forgot he was I totally fucking forgot he was in Cats. Oh um, shit, that's right. He yeah. wasn't cats. Yeah. Cats I was, was like, a what's movie. Ca- I fucking totally I, forgot that part. I'm of scrolling it. through his list and I'm like, what's cats? Oh, oh, oh right. That oh. movie. <laughs> the movie that was patched after it was released because it was just so bad. And I'm pretty sure they've like scrubbed all footage of its initial release from the internet, but it's, you can it's probably find it somewhere. Pretty, yeah, yeah, nothing's scrubbed from the internet forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was that was one of the most like lampooned movies that I I, I think in the history of the show that might be one of the more universally reviled movies that we've uh, we've covered. It's got a two point eight out of ten on IMDb. That's that's worse than Double Down. Yeah, it actually, is. that is worse than Double yeah. Down. Double Down, I think, has like a four point six, which is entirely too yeah. high. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People like, oh no, there, there's definitely a story in here. My dumbass, I thought I could just Google cats and uh, <laughs> expect to have the um, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, it's just a bunch of articles about cats. Wow, Double Down came out in two thousand five. I don't know if that changes my opinion any, but I'm I'm somehow surprised by that. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a nineteen percent and a fifty three percent for a critic and reviewer score for Cats. So just just for some Neil oh, Breen crazy. comparisons to to contextualize the how rare a rating that low in IMDb is, Double Down has a four point two out of ten on IMDb compared to Cats's. Uh, 2.8 Fateful Findings has a 4.3 out of 10. Uh, twisted Pair. Pair. Uh, if I can spell Twisted correctly. Twisted Pair has a 5.2. Oh, man. 
moving up in the world um and pass through i think this is i've i've exhausted all the neil breen movies at least all the ones i've seen which is is too many one is too many um you know what it's probably more efficient just to click on neil breen <laughs> <laughs> uh neil breen pass through has a 4.7 out of imdb so all of neil breen's movies all oh oh shit i'm here now i that was his second movie i've never even fucking heard of this one uh that has a 4.4 out of 10 so all of his movies are rated higher than cats um i am here now. stop me if this sounds familiar to you as i read the synopsis to i am here now Disappointed by its creation, the almighty being that created man arrives on Earth in human form, Neil Breen, <laughs> and interacts with various troubled, wicked, and sinful people on his journey to Vegas. That is every fucking Neil Breen movie. I remember I, rem so I remember watching, I mean, I could get this easily mixed up with something else, but I remember him having uh, watching clips of this shit. Uh, I don't think I ever watched the full thing because uh, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to ask for me. And there were some fucking crazy moments in this. Um, I mean, just the trailer is a is an adventure. Dude, fucking <sighs> the Neil Breen five film retrospective is five hours and 40 minutes long. <laughs> I'd watch it. Architect turned filmmaker Neil Breen, parenthetical, a god in his own right, <laughs> humbly, humbly, a god in his own right, humbly shares his professional movie knowledge along with how he was able to write, shoot, edit, produce, direct, act, and self-fund five theatrical independent feature films. None of those movies were released in theaters. Don't believe his lies. <laughs> they were probably released in a private theater and it's like theatrical release <laughs> anyway getting back to the, the box office here uh, Minions Rise of Gru is ahead of Thor this week it's an 8th 2.7 million dollars Thor's in ninth, 2.6 million dollars um, Minions Rise of Gru, $869 million worldwide. Thor Love and Thunder, $740 million. Oh, shit, dude. Um, I mean, that's that's actually more money than I thought Thor was making, but it is, uh, not been great for, uh, for the latest major Marvel release. And rounding out the top yeah. tens, we have Where the Crawdads Sing. 2.3 million, another Sony movie, made 107 million worldwide, which, you know, I I, I got to say, Where the Crawdads Sing has been a, a sleeper hit for Sony in that I'm sure its budget was pretty meager compared to Bullet Train, yet, which had a $90 million budget and made $175 million worldwide. Where the Crawdads Sing, I mean, granted, yes, it's 60-some-odd million less, but that's Considering the difference in budget, I would I'd be willing to believe that where the crowd at saying cost, uh, you know, less than thirty million, which would be the same sixty million dollar difference. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that, I'm I'm actually really surprised that got above 100. Yeah, Rogue One: A Star Wars Stories re-release. <laughs> um, what? That's in I did not hear place. about that. That's that's how weak the box office is. They released Rogue One in 255 theaters, and it made enough money to be in 14th place. Huh? Fuck. Alienoid. Alienoid's out in 180 hey! theaters. It made $73,000. Good enough for 26th place. Oh, my God. Alienoid. Love that. Uh, Is Jaws not out yet? I guess not. I guess, Yeah, I would, I would think not. It probably would be highlighted. So I guess Mar, Mar I guess Marcel the shell with shoes on is never getting a wide release because it's already leaving theaters and it's only oh what the fuck and oh that sucks weeks. did it yeah. what was the peak um peak theaters was eight hundred twenty one oh that sucks a lot of people were talking about that I am yeah I actually to see really it. surprised I'm pretty fucking annoyed actually. But I'm sure it's it's out there to find, and I will I will watch at home with my girlfriend on my couch. I got one more Neil Brain thing I got to show you. Okay. This was in the trailer. My man just fucking ripped a, a circuit board out of something, shoved it in he his shirt, and called himself. He just taped a motherboard to his shirt. He just yeah, he chest, taped a yeah. mobo to his chest, put a white shirt on, and said, "I'm Robot Jesus. That I is, am here now." That is fucking. That's maybe that is maybe more iconic somehow than the shot in Double Down with his fucking denim vest and all his war medals <laughs> pinned to it. But not as iconic as eating tuna in a in a moving vehicle and then crashing or almost crashing. <laughs> Which I'm convinced God. was a shoot. I don't think that was part of the movie. Maybe they just we had the cameras rolling. No, we do not have to rewatch <laughs> Double Down. That is not something oh, we, gotta, we have to do in any we got, we got, in any meaning of that word. I got a craving for tuna, you know, just some delicious canned tuna. Nothing happens in that movie. It's so bad. Um, before we get onto um uh, gaming news, uh, you know, in in the realm of news and movie stuff, it's not really trailers or whatever, but. Uh, take a second to mention that Warner Brothers um, only has enough money to release uh, two to three, I guess three movies, if you're, we're including the small, low-budget one, by the end of the year. Um, and that is the uh, Black Adam movie and the, uh, what is that, Don't Worry Darling movie with, uh, I think it has Harry Styles and Florence Pugh in it. Uh, which apparently has a lot of fucking drama behind it, uh, it including Harry Styles like trying to fuck Florence Pugh and somebody cheating on somebody and somebody sleeping with Harry Styles to not like make him fall in love with Florence Pugh. I, it dude, actors, man, just all just have go to an orgy. I mean, hey, you know, I can't blame the guy for trying. To shoot a shot with Florence Pugh. She's not right. a bad looking not girl. Right. Yeah. For sure. But the um from the Twitter account, Boris Kitt, who is a reporter for Hollywood Reporter, so kind of credible sources, um, is stating that yeah, they are they are low on the money, meaning they have more than 
two to three movies ready to release, but they don't have the money to actually get them out. I don't know what so the they don't have. Costs. They're they're saying that they don't have room in the marketing budget for more than a couple movies, but um, you know, I don't I don't know how true this is. Any of this is. Um, the source is a guy who writes for the Hollywood Reporter. Um, so, like, I, 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 we can factually say they only have three movies for the rest of the year slated for release. Yeah. That much is a matter of fact. Whether or not that's due to them not having the money to market more movies or due to the, uh, you know, ongoing merger of Warner Brothers and Discovery and, you know, trying to sort out other things before releasing more movies and dedicating more money to market remains to be seen. I think it's probably a little bit of they, they don't want to put more money into it. I'm sure they have the money to do it somewhere, but they don't see it as a good investment. They're just going to take a little while to regroup and map out a broader release plan for next year. Um, But the fact remains they are not investing as much in marketing as you would expect one of the major studios to. And they only have three movies slated for release that much. Yeah. We can say for certain. Yeah. And um, I, I'm wondering if, if this, all this means is that they did have movies on deck to release in 2022, but are pushing them to 2023 when they get, um, you know, different budgets allocated. Yeah, but, my guess you know, would with, be they're trying to shift uh, the expenses of marketing to the new fiscal year or new fiscal quarter or a different fiscal yeah. quarter to try to make their books look a little better during this merger because I think they're both publicly traded. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I wouldn't... I wouldn't read into this as being like, oh, Warner Brothers has no money. The studio's in trouble of going bankrupt. I I don't think that's the case here. I think it's just a matter of they're they're, uh, putting their eggs in the 2023 basket while they Hmm. sort out the merger. Yeah, and it's just, I think it's also uh, a lot of people are jumping onto Warner Brothers after the the news that came out about um, Batgirl and canning that movie um and and also canning i guess the um we said they they canned the batman uh reboot or uh animated series continuation yeah they there was talk of that it was on the release plan but no one's heard anything of it i don't know if it's officially been canceled but it's kind of one of those assumed to be canceled things hmm. uh but that's that's kind of like we talked about it with the Batgirl thing, like the stated reason, well, there are, there are rumors floating around about why it was, was canned. One of them was that it was so bad. They feared it could do brand damage. Um, others have just been like, um, the CEO doesn't want to invest a lot into, uh, direct to streaming offerings, which both Batgirl and, um, you know, the new Batman, the animated series follow-up would have been. 
So it, it seems to me, based on what was cut, it's more likely that it, it had to do with the streaming release than the quality of the movie. But mm-hmm. the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Corporate mergers can be kind of messy. It takes a while for all the the dust to settle, and they're going to you know, merge, roll HBO Max into Discovery Plus and l- maybe launch a new service called something different so they got they got a lot that they're trying to figure out i i would say don't panic or read in too much to any news from the warner camp until like quarter two of next year but that does suck because i mean it's like well i guess the changes that they're making to hbo max we'll have to wait and see exactly what they're doing because it could either it could either really fuck over the service or make it as a lot far better. as i am aware the technology stack that discovery plus is built on is a lot better than what hbo max is built on i guess hbo max is mm. built on largely the fucking old and janky ass hbo go source code and mm. the technology that powers Discovery Plus is a lot newer and a lot more robust. So, yeah. um, like, I, I think um, people, it's much ado about nothing with a lot of these stories about HBO Max and Warner Brothers in general. Um, I'm sure by by this time next year, it's going to be a distant memory and we'll have whatever new service and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it's a good value for 15 bucks or whatever it'll cost a month. <laughs> And yeah. the image quality is great, and no one will give a shit anymore. <laughs> that's my that's official the... prediction. Yeah, that's the only that's the only movie news I have, like off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else either. So let's talk about gaming news. Lots, well, not not lots to talk about, but some some things to talk about. Uh, big news in the hardware world. We'll touch on that later. Uh, we'll begin today with a article from IGN. Assassin's Creed Mirage has been officially announced. A reveal trailer will drop next week. Ubisoft has officially unveiled Assassin's Creed Mirage following the leak earlier today, announced announcing that the franchise's announced on the franchise's official Twitter. Ubisoft also confirmed that more information would arrive at Ubisoft Forward at its Ubisoft Forward showcase next week. Um, it is a Assassin's Creed title set in the Middle East. Um, it kind of looks like India or Pakistan from the, uh, images in the tweet. Uh, Of course, it's just like one image, but yeah, it's definitely kind of got an Arabian Nights vibe to it. Um, which... Uh, was it Odyssey? No, Odyssey was the one in Greece. What was the one in Egypt? Oh shit! I don't remember. Yeah, fucking. Uh, There's too many. Yeah. Creed. Uh, Valhalla, Odyssey. Um, Origins. Oh. AC Origins. Um, you know that. That's dumb. That might be kind of similar, but that was very, like, pyramid-heavy. Um, yeah. So this definitely 
takes a little more inspiration, looks like, from Arabian Nights kind of uh, art direction, which if you're still into Assassin's Creed at this point, you know, you know who you are. I don't think anyone's going to jump on the new Assassin's Creed because it's fucking Arabian Nights. Innovative. Um, it's innovative or it's doing something nobody's ever done before um yeah it's got a new setting but it's like i don't my 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 view of assassin's creed is like so fucking monkey brained and simplistic where the first few drew my attention because i was like yeah i get to climb to the top of a really tall building and jump off um and parkour was really popular Assassin's Creed 2 is is a pretty good game and like that style of game has uh, been copied uh in a lot of other games that I've enjoyed like um the Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor is basically fucking Assassin's Creed 2 like to a code theft accusation degree <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like in the first couple games told a, a interesting enough story and then they did not stick the landing and it got crazy and you had fucking the main character slapping the Pope or whatever the fuck happened in one of them. Uh, and then um, Assassin's Creed four came along and they just dropped that into a box labeled whoops and started just doing the same game in a different setting every year. So I don't want to alarm anybody. This is going to be a small next story that I just found. And I read earlier and didn't really give it much thought. But I think I know what Warner Brothers did with all their um, all their money and why they can't release that many movies this year is they filed a trademark for Big Chungus uh, for video game. So all your pals playing multiverses. Uh, <laughs> Get ready for the Big Chungus DLC that you know is uh, going to be coming out pretty dang soon. Uh, hopefully he's balanced and big. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I should check out Multiverses. It seems like the kind of game that I would play, but I just haven't had the gumption to. Yeah, apparently it's pretty solid. Yeah, uh, heard, there's a I've few issues with it. There's a few issues with, like, I think the online play with, like, you know, it being a little, um, can be laggy with server issues, but um, it seems like it's got a lot of uh, potential, a lot of fun stuff. It seems like it's more, um, it's got like, I think the the vibe of, um, it's a Smash Super Bros. Smash, S. yeah, it's, but it's a platform fighter, less chaotic in the fact that there's not, there's no items, I believe, there's no items floating around for you to just snag anywhere. There might be like healing things that drop, but there's no explosions, no power ups. It's the simple uh, you get your power up via attacking or whatever and have to use your special move. Uh, and it's heavy on the memes. I mean, it's got Shaggy in it that does like ultra instinct shit. And obviously, I think pretty certain they're doing fake chungus. So, yeah, I mean, it It seems like it's a, it's a cool concept and i'm glad that something good came out of fucking space jam the new legacy uh because yeah. you know that's definitely where they got the idea <laughs> to do this from um yeah but you know at least uh, something good came out of it um 
Chinese tech a Chinese tech giant has brought has bought Detroit become human developer Quantic Dream. Quantic Dream has been uh they're known for their narrative games. They did Detroit Become Human Heavy Rain. Uh, they've been acquired by uh, Chinese technology giant NetEase. Uh, the French game studio announced that it will continue to operate independently despite joining the company. Um, this screams to me like uh, NetEase bought a majority stake in the yeah. company. And they're going to be allowed to run autonomously for the most part. And NetEase is just going to work on some practice profits there which is notable because quantic was slated to make that next uh star wars they movie. are still working um, on star wars eclipse yes star eclipse yeah which is gonna be a vast seems like it's gonna be a vastly different game than what we've seen um before when you compare it to like the likes of um last jedi fallen order well i mean this, it's gonna be a quantic game yeah so it's gonna have all the the same hallmarks that you'd expect from a game like Detroit Become Human or Heavy Rain, which is not unlike what the golden era of LucasArts was like, you know, the mid-aughts where you had basically a bunch of different game concepts that were popular, and they'd slap a Star Wars skin on it, like Star Wars Battlefront, oh, that's Star Wars Battlefields, or whatever a third-person shooter at the time was. Uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed that's Star Wars God of War uh, Star Wars Republic Commandos that's Star Wars um, SOCOM Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic that's Star Wars Baldur's Gate you know that that was that was kind of the, the MO of LucasArts for a while and it produced some really great games I'm not shitting on any of them for being derivative um a UK watchdog group has requested an in-depth investigation into the Xbox Activision acquisition, and Xbox has responded, um, we want people to have more access to games, not less, is the, the quote from the IGN article. Uh, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority has recommended an in-depth investigation to Xbox's intended acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Xbox has responded saying it will work to address the watchdog's concerns. So this is a big thing because these are multinational companies. They have to earn regulatory approval in pretty much every market that they do business in in order for the uh, acquisition to go through. So this is one of this is the first challenge to the acquisition that I've heard. I don't know if and the other major regulatory boards have weighed in on this. But uh, nonetheless, here, here we have our first hurdle. After announcing a Phase 1 investigation in July, the CMA has released initial results citing several concerns about the effects of the deal. The CMA says it could harm rivals, including recent and future entrants into gaming, by refusing them access to Activision Blizzard games or providing access on much worse terms. Yeah, that Microsoft could leverage Activision Blizzard's games together with Microsoft's strength across console, cloud, and PC operating systems to damage composite competition in the nascent market for cloud gaming services. It is now recommended a Phase 2 investigation, which would see an independent panel of experts providing a more intensive probe into these concerns. Microsoft and Activision Blizzard now have five days to submit a response to prevent a Phase 2 investigation. 
Microsoft President Brad Smith has recently has responded directly to the announcement in a statement provided to IGN. Smith says, We're ready to work with the CMA on the next steps and address any of its concerns. Sony, as the industry leader, says it's worried about Call of Duty, but we've said we are committed to making the same game available on the same day on both Xbox and PlayStation. We want people to have more access to games, not less. Um, Microsoft is not a company known for uh, doing things out of uh, altruistic instinct. So um, I did I did talk about this when the news first broke about the acquisition, that this is one I could see having some trouble um, meeting regulatory approval because it's the, you know, another major acquisition of a large company in the gaming sphere by Microsoft in a short period of time, people might be like, oh, hold up. And it seems like uh, we have an organization saying, hold up. I don't know that this is going to sink the deal. I, I would doubt it, but I'm not an expert in these things. But uh, we will we will keep a close eye on the situation, keep you all informed. Uh, Valve has now certified 5,000 games as Steam Deck compatible, which means that 5,000 games now run uh, perfectly on the Proton compatibility layer because that's what makes the Steam Deck possible, uh, which is good news for Linux gamers. Uh, Valve wants to help Steam Deck owners. Yeah, so they've, they've just announced that they've reached the 5,000. Tested and verified playable titles on speed. Steam Deck, plenty more to go. So many games on Steam, but just want to take a moment to celebrate. That's very cool. Um, it also comes on the heels of a... Uh, I don't know what what the, the correct term for it is, but Valve released a, a documentation that suggested heavily that future hardware iterations of the Steam Deck were, were in development. Um it'll be interesting to see how often they refresh the hardware of the steam deck. You know, the betting, the, the, the wise, the smart money is on that. There will be a steam deck too, but you know, it being valve, they'll never make a steam deck three. <laughs> uh, get ready for the jokes when the steam deck two comes out. Um, what is the, uh, Let's just look at the price. What is the price of the Steam Deck? Is it it's it's pretty good. I think it's like three hundred and ninety dollars for the lowest tier model. It's actually not the bad. problem. Yeah. So yes, yeah, yeah, sixty four gigs, four hundred dollars, including carrying case. Yeah, the problem with the Steam Deck is not the pricing. The problem with the Steam Deck is the availability. Um, yeah, yeah. These are not uh, purchase prices. These are login for reservations. Uh, expected. Uh, Order availability, they all have the same thing as Q4, October through December of 2024. And that's expected order availability. So we may see a delay. Yeah, which is why, you know, no, things like the... Oh, 2022? Quarter four of 2022. Okay, that's, that's um, Yeah. Order, yeah. Well, what does it say? Order availability? I think that's when they'll have new stock. But when you can order one, well, you can order it now. Like these are, you're reserving your, yeah. you're back ordering it essentially, and I yeah. think that's when they expect they'll have new stock and they'll fulfill 
back orders, you know, I a, assume so. A, a first in, first out, yeah, kind of, kind of manner. Um, but the Steam Deck has uh, given rise to, or at least pushed competition in the handheld PC market, which existed before the Steam Deck. Ever since the Switch came out, there have been companies that have been trying to to crack into the market. Valve, because of economy of scale and being able to have a leverage, a better partnership with AMD to get a custom SOC, was able to set a very aggressive price point for the Steam Deck, which previously a device like the Steam Deck, which would have been like an INEO Pro or something like that, cost like $1,200, like a lot of money. But uh, now you're seeing the Steam Deck kind of push pricing in that category. So you have things like the Aya Neo Air, which is a a neat device. It's about it's not quite as powerful as the Steam Deck, but it can still produce some pretty good results. It has a nice uh, seven inch OLED screen, which the Steam Deck does not have an OLED screen. Um, but it it still comes in at five hundred bucks, which is you know, the mid-tier Steam Deck price. It's not terrible, but it is rather exciting to see this kind of innovation in that that Mm -hmm. space, which previously uh, really wasn't super practical for the mainstream consumer. Uh, Lastly, AMD swung its big dick around this week, announcing Ryzen 7000. Based on the Zen 4 architecture, which is on a 5 nanometer process node, um, is the first mainstream uh, desktop processor to be built on a 5 nanometer process. It uses the same chiplet design. Um, it comes with a new socket as well. The AM5 uh, socket is launching along with Ryzen 7000, including the uh, X670 and X650 uh, chipset variants, both of which will have regular and extreme variants. The only uh, difference they announce between the regular and extreme SKUs is that the re- the extreme SKUs, excuse me, have uh, PCI Gen 5 support for both graphics and storage, which, uh, you know a nice bit of future proofing, but we don't really even have graphics cards yet that can saturate a PCI four uh PCIe four point uh bus. So uh kind of extreme. I do believe that the uh regular X six seventy and uh B six fifty boards will support Gen five for storage, which is kind of the, the important bit because there are actually SSGs that can Take advantage of a Gen 5 link. But they announced four processors, um, which are the uh, 7950X, which uh, is the 16-core 32-thread behemoth top of the line. It is a little bit less than the previous generation. About a hundred dollars less. It's going to retail for six hundred and ninety nine dollars. Um, it has a boost frequency up to five point seven gigahertz. They're claiming, 
which is fucking insane for a chip like that. Um, and a base clock of 4.5 gigahertz, which is pretty incredible compared to even Ryzen like 3000, which struggled to get uh, past 4.3 gigahertz on some of the multi, uh, the big multi chiplet parts. Uh, it's got a total cache of 80 megabytes between Gen 3 and uh, or level 2 and level 3 cache, uh, which is pretty. Pretty nice. Uh, the 7900X, which is the 12-core, 24-thread part, 5.6, 4.7, uh, boost and base, uh, 76 megabytes of cache. Both of those chips have a rated TDP of 170 watts. That is, AMD typically measures that as max. They did say in their keynote presentation that in their testing, it usually drew quite a bit less than that. Um, anyway, the the seventy nine hundred X will retail for five forty nine, which is fifty bucks more than its previous generation counterpart. Uh, they announced the seventy seven hundred X, no seventy eight hundred X. So, speculation that's going to be the three D V cache model down the line. That's your eight core sixteen thread, five point four boost, four point five base, only forty megabytes of cache, one hundred and five watt TDP. $399. I don't know how that compares off the top of my head to the uh, 5700X price-wise, but I believe it's more. And lastly, the 6-core 12-thread uh, Ryzen 5 7600, 5.3 boost, 4.7 base, uh, 38 megs of cache, still 105-watt TDP, which is quite a bit more than the uh, previous six core parts from amd and that also costs 299 dollars which um you know if your base skew is 300 dollars, that's that's pretty high for a cpu especially when you consider the fact that this is a new platform you have to buy a new motherboard the uh platform only supports ddr5 ram which is still pretty expensive they AMD is predicting that DDR5 could hit DDR4 pricing levels by mid 2023, which would make this a more compelling option. Um, I would say this is definitely something you want to wait for benchmarks on. A lot of the rumors with Ryzen 7000 kind of painted a picture that it wouldn't be a big step forward from uh, Ryzen 5000, and According to AMD, which you should always take the manufacturer's numbers with a grain of salt because they're trying to sell <laughs> you the product, uh, you can expect a 13% IPC uplift, um, which is instructions per clock, and the clocks on these chips are quite a bit higher than the previous generation. So you could see some pretty good, like, 25-30% performance uplifts over the previous generation but you do have to buy into a completely new platform so you'll have to determine whether or not it's worth it to you to jump into am5 and all the cost associated with that or just max out your current am4 socket board with the highest tier supported cpu and those numbers will bear out eventually. So I'm kind of on the fence about this. I'm, I don't think I'm going to upgrade to this anytime soon. 
I'm going to wait for DDR5 to be a lot less expensive and for me to really feel a need to upgrade my CPU. I game at higher resolutions, so I'm not CPU bound in most cases. And I've had no complaints about my 3900X. I bought that at launch and I said this could be my CPU for the next 10 years. And it showed no sign that that was a bad <laughs> assessment. So I'm I'm quite quite pleased walking that. And that's that's gaming news. Let's talk about someone who's probably never used a computer in his entire life. What is it? What is a game? I I will play a game with you. I'm I'm the good guy. I'm a good guy, and there are bad guys out there. Boy, was this movie um, a movie that I fell asleep to the climax. I will, I do have to say it, but I don't think I missed much. I, you know, I I watched this movie. I had watched the trailer as part of the show. And I said, you know what? This This actually looks pretty good. And I watched the movie and I was like, all right, that wasn't bad. It's not a great movie by any means, but I would say it's a good movie. It, it To me, I found it to be an entertaining movie. It held my interest. It didn't, like, make me feel anything in particular. I mean, I felt kind of <laughs> cool when I called called the twist, like, 30 minutes into the movie. Uh, when, when you told me there was a big twist, I was trying to call it. I was trying to be like, Oh, what's the twist gonna be? And I'm like, I bet you it's this. And I was right. Yeah. But if you hadn't told me there was a big twist, maybe I would have like not even thought about it. I wasn't really yeah, even thinking I don't, that I don't much know into the how movie. Obvious it was. Like I, I don't, I don't ever want to like come to the conclusion that I'm a genius because I, I saw it coming. Um. But you know, I. I don't feel like it was super obvious and it was the the things that kind of gave me the inkling were were subtle dialogue choices and and cinematic yeah. choices that they they chose the show of the characters in question that kind of made me go hmm wait a minute here and just the general like banality of the script otherwise I'm like they got to they got to yeah. do something with this there's got to be some sort yeah. of yeah well, I mean, you can also tell that, like, I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but you could also tell based off the actions of the main character that you're like, that's not what I would expect him to do. Um, you know, there are some things that I would expect him to do, but then I'm like, yeah, maybe not. Um, and, and with that, I won't say anything else because I'll, you know, I'll get into spoilers, even though. I'm sure everybody's waiting on on Bader Bader Brooke, to get yeah. into this into the spoilers. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean the the story is pretty much what the trailer set up to be. Um, a kid finds out that he lives next door to a uh, superhero Samaritan. Um, he's a big fan of Samaritan. And he's, uh, he's, he's a Samaritan he, truther. Um, he listens yeah, he's, to yeah, he's, Samaritan supposedly dies, but he listens listens to a podcast that that posits samaritans still alive the world building was interesting i actually um, like the world building quite a bit 
So the world building was interesting, and I kind of wanted more of it because it would have been even better. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because, like, we we get introduced to um, the premise very early on. They kind of just run through it like it's a comic book, and with a weird and style. Like it's it's fucking yes. it's live action footage with like a, a hand drawn filter over it, which yeah. I I applaud the artistic direction and the the intent behind it but that's one of those things that sounded a lot better on paper i'm sure than turned out yeah i mean it's a big fucking exposition dump and there's really like lazy exposition um uh stuff like thrown in here throughout it which is fine if that's what you want to do i I get it they didn't want to like spend too much time dragging it through and and explaining how there's like there's, you know, mass evictions and yada, yada, yada. But, like, I, f- there was a couple, like, things that were said. Like, the when they said that, because in, in this universe, this isn't really a spoiler, but they said, oh, Samaritan died or he disappeared. He disappeared or died. They think he's gone. Um, and Cyrus kind of gives us a timeline. He's like, oh, kid, I was about your age when they left. So 10 years, maybe. Yeah, the main character is 13. I, I'd give 13. Cyrus um, 23 or, or 33. <laughs> and, and um, you know, Cyrus is like is saying, you know, he died when I was your, your age. So I'm like, oh, shit. So, like, have, has Samaritan been gone for, like, 10, 13 some odd years? Well, no, the dad saved him, so... You know, did, was he gone for like ten years or something like that? Um, and they may have given it out specifically, and I may have missed yeah, it, but it's, it's possible. But oh well. Um, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, is that is this still newsworthy? Like, is it still newsworthy to say, uh, to like bring these guys up in like the po- political discourse and be like, oh, we we need Samaritan back for somebody who's like basically gone for a minute. That was weird. I didn't lose internet, but the call just dropped. <laughs> oh, oh, weird. Um, okay, I I kept on talking for a yeah, minute, I um, I'd just let you but go. you'll you'll see. Um, um, yeah, it was rambling a little bit about how uh, you can cut this out if you want. It's uh, rambling about like how Samaritan, um, uh, you know, he might have disappeared like ten years ago. Did they specify? I don't remember how long if they did or not. I didn't. I didn't catch it if they if they did specify how long it had been but you know it, it feels like a good good decade or so yeah. although the kid the kid knows about samaritan and he's 13 he's 13 he says his dad his dad was saved by samaritan um um so i don't know i don't know and, and cyrus was like i was about your age when Samaritan disappeared. And that kind of gives like a rough timeline if right. if Cyrus is like anywhere from like twenty five to thirty. So I think we, or we a kind little of bit older. Missed an important detail. So Samaritan and his brother Nemesis had superpowers and they uh 
they kind of took divergent paths, you know. Yeah. Um, Samaritan was more of the, like, uh, lawful good, and Nemesis was more of, like, a chaotic neutral. I don't get the sense that he was a villain, necessarily. I think... So we get this very brief, um, like, exposition in the beginning about who Nemesis was, um, and, and, and they do play him out to be the bad guy. Um, and the best way to describe it was like, oh, Nemesis was like a maybe a Robin Hood type character. Yeah, that's where he's that breaking kind of the law, stealing from, from the rich. And and um, Samaritan was like just a cop. Like he, and they they definitely had some. Um, some very progressive undertones of uh obviously of of the you know um you know samaritan was just a another capitalistic guardian uh to protect the rich and the businesses whereas nemesis may have more focused on giving back to the to the poor um and you know you have your and that's why we say well, I- samaritan lawful good maybe um nemesis is a chaotic good or or, or something like that or, or yeah i wouldn't say it's evil yeah i wouldn't I, say I it's don't necessarily evil that i would call him evil especially knowing what i know about the movie um yeah which which kind of makes it a little difficult to talk about the the beginning parts of the movie uh because you, yeah. you get a key piece of information later on that uh recontextualizes a lot of it but i i really did like the world building and uh the setting and and a lot of the characters in this movie i thought that it was it was it was refreshing um to kind of see a a movie with like you know super powered individuals in it that isn't marvel formula bullshit um so I like the world building, like the characters, the writing, uh, pretty weak, in in a lot yeah. of spots. Uh, not not a whole lot to uh, to remark on. Not a lot of clever lines. Not a lot of thought provoking lines. The acting was fine. Uh, Stallone's was good. Um, man can still do a pretty decent action scene at seventy six years old. Um, I don't even move that well at 27 years old. <laughs> yeah, uh, supporting characters were also um, were also fine. I didn't th- see anything that like really. I think the writing was a little mid. Yeah. Cyrus um, had and, some like, good scenes. I would have liked to see more. I, I'm just generally a big fan of Martin Starr. Yeah. I would have liked to have had at least one more scene with his character in it. Yeah. Yeah, he he was good. Um, I did like him. Um, I forgot what the mother's name was, uh, but she was pretty decent on Orange is the New Black. But I don't really feel like they gave her a lot they to work with. She I mean, didn't have a like, whole lot to, to do. And yeah. she's fine. Like so. She did her best with what she was given, but her character is is really kind of ancillary and doesn't doesn't have too much to do with it. Yeah. Um, you know, the gangbangers, you know, they, they, they played their part. It's fine. Um, where this movie really kind of falls short, and one of the reasons why I think it's it's poorly late, because like circling back to the the point I made, was making at the start of this journey. Um, so I I I I watched the trailer, thought it looked good. Watched the movie, was like, 
this was pretty good. So I go on to to look at the scores, and this movie is getting fucking skewered. It's got a 5.8 out of 10 IMDb, 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, 77% audience score, which sounds closer to right to me. Uh, It is up to a 39% now, actually. And a 45 on Metacritic with a 5.8 audience score, which indicates, you know, it's kind of mixed reception. And I feel like I can understand because the action in the movie isn't great and they don't do a whole lot with the 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 kind of premise they've built and, and the world they've built, which is, is pretty disappointing all in all. 20 years. Oh, so we got, I I'm, I'm, was going back on the IMDb uh, storyline. And yeah, 20 years ago, Granite City's superpowered vigilante Samaritan was reported dead. And, um, and so is his, uh, his rival. So it's, that was, that's a long time. Okay. So this kid wasn't even alive yeah. when, uh, when Samaritan was, uh, was, went missing. So he grew up in a world just like hearing stories about him. And he has this like crazy obsession, I guess, because he, I mean, the, the, the hero story is one thing, but I guess the more important thing to him was his dad who passed away was saved by uh Samaritan. Uh, which I mean, that uh, was yeah. played on a little bit, but it could have been a I little mean, bit it's, more. It's it's they used it as his connection to Samaritan. Yeah. Like this movie, I feel like this is someone's like first time making a movie. I feel like there are a lot of first time filmmakers in this movie because it feels very film school in a way where. You know, elements that make a good movie are, are present. Like they don't do a, a lot of heavy-handed expositional dialogue. They do they do the big dump at the end, but they do a pretty good job of having expositional information communicated uh, through the background. And like they generally do a good job of of world building, but they don't like capitalize on it in a lot of ways. And they like a thing like Samaritan saving his dad and that's why he's interested in Samaritan like on paper you're like oh yeah that's that's a better that's a decent reason for for having him be that way but in the movie it's just kind of like eh you know it doesn't doesn't really seem too important and th- there are a lot mm-hmm. of little things like that um throughout throughout the film which i guess i guess um i'd say if you got nothing better to do and you were curious about it um it's pretty good it held my interest just fine it's not i might have been sleepy a movie <laughs> it's not a movie that i'm gonna like remember in a year probably um it's it, the the imdb trivia says it's inspired by unbreakable and finding forrester which i can definitely see it also gave me Hancock vibes a little bit. Yeah. Um but uh I I'd I'd give it a lukewarm recommendation. If you're a Stallone fan, if you're a Stallone completionist, go for it. <laughs> if you are uh someone uh looking for for a decent way to spend an hour and forty five minutes. 
yeah you can do and worse. also don't don't try to don't try to like compare this to like a a mcu or a uh, you know, any of the, the Christopher Nolan, like, Batman movies, like, you're not going to get the... It's very different. There is, I guess, the... Well, I guess it's kind of, it is a little bit different. I guess this did not do the one thing that I always rib on a lot of Marvel and DC movies about the whole... There is no end battle where it's the superpower superhero faces the mimic, the mirror of, uh, of them in villain form. Yeah. So... Uh, I, I like that bit of it quite a bit where it was, but the consistency on like superpowers and uh, I guess that was also different too. They, they did a good job, like kind of fleshing out the superpowers and, and giving it like uh, a fault, but boy, is that a really bad like fault? Well, I mean, in a <laughs> like, lot of situations, God. it wouldn't have been a big deal, but where they, how they chose to or, uh, structure the climax, you know, it yeah. it worked because they they set it up beforehand, and then the the yeah. way the climax unfolded to create a situation that would disadvantage him was was yeah. very organic. Like there there's a this there's is... a lot of things that this movie did well, but um, I feel like it it has a lot of unrealized potential um, in its story. Yeah, and and also you got to remember that uh, he's he's supposed to be on the older side. He used to be a lot stronger, so his cons may not not have like yeah. come. And through I feel a lot like more that would have been um, that's that is one criticism I have the movie. I was going to save spoilers, but since you brought it up now, I, I can talk about it now. I guess um, I would have liked them to uh, show a little bit more of like you know I'm not. I'm not in top shape anymore. I'm not quite as, as good as I used yeah. to be. Like, you know, have him, you know, fail to do something that I used to be able to do. Not in a way that has dire consequences, but in a way where he's like, oh, yeah, well, I used to be able to to do this or that. They they pay it lip surface, but I feel like it would have been more effective if you, you know, showed rather than tell, told. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um... Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of do that, and I guess we can hop into spoilers. Um, woo, woo, so this is your woo, official woo. spoiler warning. But I guess I kind of show that when he gets hit by the car. Um, and, 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 you know, they could have just left it at that and been like... Because you think this, like, unstoppable uh, good guy, you know, with superpowers, oh, a car can just take him out? Well, he's not that great then, but... You know, he does mention, oh, I used to, you know, it was better back in the day or whatever. I haven't haven't done this in a long time. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting that um, he he does kind of like his legs kind of snap back together and his bones snap well, back he, together. He or actually come back together. He has to reset. He was stuff. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, was was kind of neat. Some of some of the the moves he was making looked a little awkward, but. Yeah, so uh, the big reveal at the end of the movie is that Sylvester Stallone is, in fact, not Samaritan. Samaritan did, in fact, yeah. die. Sylvester Stallone is Nemesis, which yeah. I I don't really... I can't trace the exact thing that tipped me off. I think because of, um, you know, the steam coming off of him and, like, all the imagery of nemesis in the beginning had a lot of like fire and stuff around it that kind of made a connection in my head 
But there was a point in the movie about like 45 minutes in where I'm like, he's got to be Nemesis, right? Well, they they also do an they also do an abnormal amount of time of the kid saying, "You're you're Samaritan. You can do all this," and then having a dedicated scene from um, Joe is Joe right? Yes. Is that what his name? Uh, yeah, Joe, where he says, where he's like. You don't know what you're talking about, kid. Never saying, yeah, but then I could do this or something, or never acknowledging or accepting the the role of well, Samaritan. Well, he's not a liar because he's not Samaritan. And he I never know. says that he is yeah. Samaritan. He keeps telling him, I'm not he, Samaritan, he, kid. <laughs> you never get confirmation and, that he is one or the other. He is just a guy with superpowers exactly like Samaritan, which when you come into this knowing that Nemesis and Samaritan were brothers, you're like, oh, well then if yeah. like he's probably like most, Nemesis and that like kind of most fits twists, more. It seems incredibly obvious after you have the information. Um I was though able to ascertain the the information uh make the guess fairly early on. And it, it just had a lot to do with how they structured the the story. Like they they spent a lot of time in the beginning talking about the the two brothers, and you're like they gotta pay this off in some way. And you know they do a nice job with a red herring of Cyrus having Nemesis's mask and stealing the hammer and like really trying to be the new Nemesis. You're like okay, so he's gonna rise up to take the mantle of nemesis and then Samaritan is going to have to, you know, dust off the costume to come back. And then at a certain point I'm like, well, that would be kind of lame, wouldn't it? Well, that would only work if Cyrus had a chance in hell of being nemesis and having those powers. The whole question is like, where is Samaritan and where is nemesis? Um, you're cause you kind of assume that, they're both alive. They're just hiding yeah, or something like, like that. Cyrus they says both that Nemesis dies, but he's the only character that ever says that. The the narrator, or or you know the general movie, um, never like indicates that's Nemesis yeah, they dies. Kinda, don't they kind of just say that they they disappear? They didn't find him or something like that. Well, and, he does say to uh, and, who's the fucking kid, um, Sam. He does say to Sam specifically, I was about your age when he died. Yeah. So, and they were talking about Nemesis, so you assume he means Nemesis? It could have been Samaritan, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think the majority of people are, are in consensus that Samaritan and Nemesis died in that big explosion. You know, they, they pinned it on Nemesis. Um, and I think just the hope of, hey, maybe Samaritan lived through that has spurred all of this, like, this up this uh this conspiracy theory stuff about it but you know uh the, the whole cyrus being the villain uh and, and taking up the mantle of new nemesis um i think i don't i don't know what works better because it's like the entire time i'm thinking i'm like well there's no nemesis he doesn't have the superpowers of nemesis if they had um, done a better job of establishing the hammer as like a a super powerful artifact that would allow a normal person to uh, combat someone like 
Samaritan or Nemesis, yeah. it would have been better. But they make it a point to show that they were still pretty evenly matched, even with the hammer and the the intro scene. Yeah. So like that doesn't work as viable. So that's why I said, like, although I was able to predict the twist of him being Nemesis, it was by far the best choice for the story. Yeah, I'm I'm I agree. I, I like that. I just wonder how they could have done it better to the point where we still think more and more throughout the story that he's Samaritan and that maybe maybe it shouldn't have been Cyrus, maybe it should have been somebody else who you're thinking like, oh my god, that's Nemesis. Like somebody comes out of the woodwork when they find out that a quote unquote Samaritan has been possibly like found. And then you're like, oh, that's obviously Nemesis, but it could just be some dude. And you find out that Samaritan actually did die. And this is Nemesis. And this is just some mob boss or something like that that fits the age or whatever. I don't know. Because it, yeah. it's, it's the entire time I'm like, this would have been so much better if we had another character that would have drawn the attention of that's the possible nemesis. I think... and Because the entire time we're told yeah. that he's you this guy's Samaritan. Done Joe it is Samaritan. A couple of different ways. You could have... Or a few different ways. You could have done, like you suggested, have another character to potentially be nemesis, believably. You could have also uh, done a better job of, like, saying, you know, nemesis died. Because I think part of the issue is that the fate of nemesis is not known and like you, you mm-hmm. it's implied that he he walked away from their final confrontation by everyone except cyrus who may or may not have been referring to nemesis when he he told them that he died so there's there's that lingering thread where you're like oh what happened to nemesis and the more like he says i'm not samaritan and the more like he you know really beats the shit out of a gangbanger before deciding like not to kill them yeah at the last possible <laughs> second the more you start to wonder they re- <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> that's the other thing is that the entire time you're supposed to believe that They're joe so is this altruistic samaritan he's- with the like pushing this idea that he's samaritan on you i think it would have been better if they had backed off of that a little bit <laughs> yeah Backed off, like, maybe just come to his rescue, not even do, like, the up-close, like, I'm gonna almost fucking, like, you have superpowers, this is a normal human, like, you're basically hitting him with a truck when you hit him with your fist, like, you flipped a car over with your, like, on its side, the amount of power that requires is actually pretty nuts, and you are also punching humans, you're probably fracturing their skull. (laughs) And, and we're supposed to believe this is Samaritan. Who's the altruistic good guy who this kid looked up to in the entire city looked up to. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it it probably would have been a little bit better, maybe hidden the hand a little bit better. If the beginning scene, the beginning opening never told us that they were brothers, but maybe just two dudes who had superpowers and they were rivals. Um, and, and then, you know, or just not even like explain their superpowers or nemesis superpowers. Um, and then have maybe the big reveal explain that, oh yeah, they actually were brothers. Um, I don't know. It seemed like they gave away too much of their hand throughout the movie, which I think allowed you to get that, that being that twist and the way they did the reveal 
was pretty good. Like I, I feel like it's, uh, it's a satisfying. I, that was a resolution. good reveal. Even if you see it coming, it's like because of the way the surrounding actors react to it. It, it was predictable. It was awesome. Doesn't necessarily mean bad. I think I think yeah. that's that's a concept people lose sight of. Like when when they did the sure. reveal, he's like, "You keep saying I'm the good guy, but I'm not." And then they do the flashback. I was like, "Called it, great, boom." Because <laughs> you're like you're shattering multiple people's perspectives. The kid thinks you're Samaritan. You're this great guy. You're you're my idol. And all of a sudden, in one instant, you're thrown on the ground and said, no, you've been idolizing the bad guy who Samaritan was fighting against. And then on the other hand, the bad guys are like, fuck you, you're supposed to be Samaritan. This is the guy we we thought he was, you know. Oh, wait, we're fucking fighting against our, our idol. And like, we can't just stop now. Like, our whole core premise is like kind of shaken um and and they're like oh are we really doing what like nemesis would have wanted um and and that's ultimately what what like they they try to do because i think some of the best perspectives of that what they did with cyrus is that you know yeah he's a bad dude he's a gangbanger but like he ultimately wants to like bring up the power of the the downtrodden great villains you can look at his motivations and be like, you know what? He's got a point. Um, which yeah. is why like they do a good job with a lot of the, the characters and, and the world building, as I said, where like you have these people whose, you know, motivations are a little uh complex and they're they're more, you know, morally ambiguous. There's shades of gray. It's not just good and evil. But that they only really explore that in a couple of scenes by, by the climb, by the third act of the movie, Cyrus's, you know, villain doing villain things. And like, you know, any credence he had to his, any, any nobility in his cause really doesn't, doesn't track by the end of it. Um, and, you know, Joe, kind of settles into his role as as the savior like his reluctance you know like it, it's it's there throughout the movie but once he gets into i'm gonna save sam mode he's in i'm gonna save sam mode and yeah. he he behaves the way that a hero would behave like he doesn't do anything particularly villainous after revealing himself to be nemesis um so like they they could have i feel like they they would have been better served exploring some of the the shades of gray in in this world a little bit more but what they did do was good it's it's a very yeah. uneven movie in that respect where there's there's a lot it's kind of like prey right you know there were a lot of good ideas in prey and for the most part they did a good job of carrying those ideas to fruition this movie also has a lot of good ideas but does a decidedly not as good job realizing the potential yeah. of those ideas. Yeah, yeah, and the um I guess the the only other thing I think I would have needed out of this to make it uh really like kind of push it over the edge a little bit more would be um, you know, having having Joe 
maybe this would have also helped with the twists as well, is pushing that idea and explaining himself to the kid um, where, you know, both characters obviously had their flaws. When you have Samaritan as the, the cop who's trying to uphold the law and do an honorable thing, I get that. But then you also have Nemesis who's trying to help the downtrodden, be that Robin Hood figure. And if he's got to break a few laws along the way, then so be it. And you can have, you can have Sylvester Stallone, you can have Joe explain both sides of that, of that coin. Because really, if you think about it, the brothers are the, the opposite sides of the same coin. And you can have him like very well have a good understanding of like, no, like Samaritan wasn't all that great of a guy, kid, you got it wrong. Um, and you could also be like, yeah, and Nemesis also wasn't that great either. You could have him explain his own um, yeah. own own shortfalls, and maybe that would have see like had more of an impact once you finally get the twist. I see where you're coming but from. He never with really that. talks about his like, and I and I definitely think that that could maybe work. But I can I can also understand the filmmaker's perspective, where if you want to have that reveal be a surprise or, or try to make it a surprise twist as, as best you can. I feel like delving a little, I feel like you're, you're walking a tightrope if you try to do something like that, where you might yeah. make it too obvious. Uh, it, it, that's exactly where my mind was going was like, they, they do. And they had to be careful when he was talking about whenever he would bring up Samaritan, he's like, he, he would always like really brush it off in a, in a, quick and fast way and then he kicked the kid out of the house or something yeah. um so it they they were as careful as possible to not give any hints which away. is why they they uh, almost I, I had get, to I, do the reveal that they did and and in some ways it's kind of what what made it uh obvious to me is the like how how uncomfortable he was at the mention of samaritan like you get that it's in his past or whatever, and he doesn't want to live that life. Like a couple times with the getting grumpy and the brushing off the Samaritan things. Okay. If he's actually Samaritan, but they do it like five times and you're like, okay, there's something, there's something that doesn't quite match what it seems going on here. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Samaritan. I think I've said all, all I have to say about the movie. It's, uh, it's decent. Yeah. Well, that's all you can can really hope for from a movie these days. I, I should maybe check out some more of these prime prime exclusive movies because uh, between this and Get Duped, I've enjoyed the last couple that I've seen. So maybe I should give them more of a chance instead of dismissing all of their stuff as hot garbage as i am so often <laughs> inclined to do with director streaming movies yeah i feel like i've seen um i've, I've looked up a couple prime there's they have some solid rom-coms on there and i put on for chris and I, i've watched it you know for rom-com not my speed uh, i'm okay with it so they, they have yeah, some i think it's just i didn't i didn't okay. really enjoy my first taste of prime original programming like you know, everyone knows sure. my my feelings on on the boys, and um, I watched right before the boys came out, uh, the Prime Video reboot of The Tick, 
Um, and and that oh, yeah. I did not enjoy at all. I, I thought that was pretty bad. I can't believe I watched as much of it as I did, to be honest with you. But it was it was pretty bleh. So yeah, I guess I, I'll I'll give some some of those stuff. But then you have stuff like the the League of Their Own show that they've put out now, where it's like, why are you making this? I heard. Uh, so well, sidebar on the League of Their Own. I did see TikTok. Uh, where one of the um, the the ladies who was inspired by the original League of Their Own was asked about it, um, and they said they did a really good job because uh, even though the League of Their Own was like groundbreaking for the time, uh, it still left out certain. Um, I think it was um, like uh, gen- uh, sexual orientation choices that still were not acceptable at the time. Um, so it's maybe a little bit more faithful well, to talk about not, it, but it's not faithful because they have a black lady playing on the baseball team when it was not an integrated league. Um, oh, I don't, I don't know if she's playing on the baseball team. Though. Um, the trailer material made it seem like she was going to be on there, which I, I just, if you do that it's like one of those things where you know in modern writing where it's like oh no the uh the woman or the person of color actually did it first where in like you're, you're kind of taking away a little bit the uh significance of uh what jackie robinson did but you know i oh i i don't know if it i don't know if she did or not. I mean, yeah, she it shows her in a scene, you know, hitting the baseball, but maybe she was trying out and never made it on there. I don't know. I I am sure I can I can look this up quickly, but we'll we'll uh we'll not and say we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um until next time, which would be episode three thirty one, we'll have Peter back. I don't know what we're doing, we'll figure it out then. But, you know, we're we're not getting a whole lot of movies out of the box office, so we might have to dig deep onto streaming for yeah. for something. But we will figure it out, as we always do, um, often at the very last minute. Uh, but until that time, you check out soundstuds.com for links to all our stuff. Um, we will... I'm, I'm planning to make a return to uh, streaming on a somewhat regular schedule... Um, at least by um, the October anniversary of Saturn Studs. Um, so sometime in October, I hope to, to be everything up. We, we have a new logo in the works. Just need to get the, uh, the high-res with transparency version of it so I can design other graphical assets of it, and, and we'll roll that out, and then I have to redesign a lot of stuff and graphics packages to... Uh, accommodate that um but you know be on the lookout for all that sentences.com place to be for that and until next time be well stay safe and party like it's 1995 bye-bye